Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets trading largely higher this morning following a strong performance on Wall Street last week. Good morning, I'm Michelle Martin. Welcome to Your Money and this is Market View. Special guest today, I know you've been reading the Dividend Titans Finance blog because it's that good. Willie King joining us this morning. How are you, Willie? Hey, good morning, Michelle. What a cold Monday. <laughs> I know, it is pouring out there in the rain. Yeah. All right, we begin this morning in commodity markets, petrol to be more specific. Now, we don't often start with the price of oil, but the OPEC nations have jolted the markets by announcing an unexpected cut in production. Now, starting next month, Saudi Arabia and other OPEC members will slash their output by more than 1 million barrels a day. So the price of West Texas crude jumped as much as 8% on the news. It's now trading above 80 US dollars a barrel. Brent crude trading above that 85 US dollar mark. Willie, do you think OPEC's cuts are going to hit us in the pocketbooks, not just at the petrol pumps, but elsewhere as well. Mm. Yeah, of course. I mean, if you see for for input oil prices, you know, this is definitely going to actually increase the input prices of many sectors, um, not just on us consumers as well, but also, you know, transport companies, um, car makers, for example, where they require um, input from fuel and airline companies like our you know iconic brand singapore airlines rely heavily on fuel prices and if an increase in um, oil prices this could actually affect you know the reopening of the entire business i mean we just came out from covid uh, last year and a lot of this singapore and singapore airlines you know is ready to actually launch many of its new routes this year as well and you can see in this latest quarter um, that you know financially has been actually recovering this could actually affect you know some of these um, transport companies looking at a cut of 1.16 billion barrels per day. Oil prices dropped during the first quarter of the year. In fact, they suffered their biggest drop since the start of the pandemic back in 2020. Saudi Arabia, Russia and other oil producing companies, uh, countries I should say, clearly unhappy about this and they are taking steps to boost oil prices again. Uh, It's been a bit of a shock, but how are markets reacting? Mm. Yeah, you can see how some of the, for the stock investors, you know, this could be a pretty shock awakening. I mean, you have the US equity futures, which was down. The yen was also weakened as well. Uh, this really came on the back of um, slightly higher Asian markets open. But, you know, this could actually spell a slightly dif- different tone, you know, upon this um, announcement here. Because mm. at the end of the day, um, oil prices is a very crucial uh, input to many of the businesses out there and across different sectors. And you know, according to one of the analysts, they said that for equity investors, this could be a root awakening as markets imply a Goldilocks outlook of reduced discount rates, but no recession. Yeah, and the fact that that inflation genie is still out of the bottle. Yes. We've been trying to stuff him back in. <laughs> and on the topic of inflation, another key metric was released in the US over the weekend. Looks like some good news. What is the latest here? Mm. So we are looking at the Federal, Federal Reserve's favoured inflation gauge which is the core PC index and it seems to have actually slowed sharply last month and it seems like this is an encouraging sign for the red for the Federal Reserve mm. to sort of cool price pressures 
through steadily higher interest rates. I mean, if you see from last week's report, the Commerce Department showed that consumer price rose 0.3% from January to February. Um, this was down from 0.6% increase from December to January. So it seems like uh, there is that little sign or indicator showing that the economy is starting to take a step back in terms of inflation. Inflation pressure is easing. Let's turn to the broader markets now. U.S. stocks finished higher on Friday to cap off a winning month of March and a positive first quarter of the year. In fact, the tech-heavy Nasdaq index has recorded its best quarter in nearly three years. It gained more than 16% during the first three months of the year. Let's take a look at some of the companies that have fueled the Nasdaq's rise. What do you think, Willie? Mm, I think it's very interesting right now because on one hand, right, while the backdrop of the US regional banks are going under a some sort of trouble mm-hmm. um, and also you have the Fed also trying to figure out uh, interest rates, whether they, are, they, they plan to actually increase or plan to slow down. But... The, 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 the interesting thing here is that since last year, tech stocks, which are really sensitive to interest rates movement, has started to actually recover and climb. And this really is, they climb quietly at the back of some of this um, negative or bad ne- macro headwinds which we are seeing. I mean, we, we are looking at some of the best performers here like NVIDIA, Meta Platforms. They all have improved or sought in terms of their share prices. But then again, you know, if you see closer, Michelle, mm. I think NVIDIA, some of these um, tech stocks, right, they are really focused on some of the fundamentals here. Like say, for example, NVIDIA share price have actually sought really on the back of um, the new OpenAI chat GPT, the new chat bot coming in. Because uh, don't forget for NVIDIA, they are they are, they are technology which develops graphic processing units uh, really involved in trying to improve artificial intelligence, chatbox, language processing. So as long as the world needs more and more of this, NVIDIA is something which is coming to play and is really riding on this tailwind. And I guess instead of looking at some of these macro headwinds which investors are focusing on, the markets is instead focusing on the fundamentals of some of these companies. So NVIDIA is actually one of them. Look at that chip maker up now. 90% this year, biggest gain on both NASDAQ 100 and the S&P 500. We take a closer look at the market's biggest components, the three biggest gainers, at least for the first quarter. Tesla up there, uh, Meta Platforms, shares of Facebook's parent up 76% in the biggest quarter for it since 2013. Just amazing. Mm. Um, what do you think, if we step Away from tech stocks for a minute, all right? The Bank of America is reporting strong inflows into stocks outside of the United States. Now, on an annualized basis, it's recorded more than 150 billion US dollars moving into emerging market equities. What do you make of these outflows? And do you think global markets are set to outperform the US markets this year? Yep. So this is very interesting because when um, times are a bit shaky, Capital actually flows the opposite, right? So mm. people will actually sell their their assets. They'll sell. They'll they'll move their money from emerging markets into the U.S. because the U.S. interest rates, uh, the U.S. global, the U.S. dollar is seen seen as a safe haven. But right now, you know, with some. More slightly more positive news coming from the Fed's uh, preferred inflation gauge, which is the PCE. Inflation expectedly slowing down. It seems like people are more confident about the global economy, and that 
could actually spell a shift in sentiments from moving capital away from the US into the emerging markets as a whole because they might expect that if global growth starts to recover, the first one in line to 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 experience that recovery would be emerging markets here. Now, the risk, of course, comes when you know there is a continued inflation. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there's also emerging market risk, which means that, you know, in different emerging markets, there could be inflationary pressures within the the market itself. So that actually comes at a, a, a certain risk here. So even though that there could be emerging markets, uh, strong inflows going into the emerging markets, but that could also spell some risk. And then, of course, it's always a question of value, valuating. Yes, exactly. Uh, valuation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, see what else is on investors' radars for the week ahead. What do you got on your list? Mm. So we are also looking at a Elon Musk, uh, which paid Twitter in a blue tick out as it. Elon Musk, which defended paid Twitter as a blue tick ultimatum, looms. So they are also looking to. Um, yeah, I mean, let me help you out there. Yes. So the Elon Musk file. So over the weekend, uh, many Twitter users face an ultimatum. And that ultimatum was pay up or you lose a blue tick that verifies that your account is, you know, verified. It's a real account. It's mm. really you. Now, in the U.S., the verification tick is part of a subscription plan. And that is known as Twitter Blue. And if you're wondering how much does this cost, you know, New York Times saying they're not going to pay for it. They're a big business. Well, Twitter Blue costs between 8 to 11 U.S. dollars a month. And Musk warns that new forms of AI make it incredibly easy to create vast numbers of fake social media accounts. So it's almost like, you know, it's part of this whole the guardrails need to go up against all things fake because of AI. Uh, And so we have to charge you for your Twitter verified accounts. So he he is talking in terms of 10,000 or even 100,000 fake accounts all created on a single PC. So first up, let's critically think through this threat that Musk is uh, waving in front of us. Is Musk just stirring the pot because he needs new revenue streams for Twitter? Mm. So this is something which is pretty interesting here because like what you have mentioned, Michelle, uh, the New York Times said that you won't actually pay a monthly fee for Twitter's verified check mark. So this was hours after it lost the verified badge on the social media platform. So companies will have to actually to have to pay $1,000 a month to obtain and maintain its gold check marks while individuals can get blue checks for a starting price of $7 in the United States. Um, the New York Times also said that it will not reimburse reporters for Twitter Blue for its personal accounts except in rare instances where this status would be essential for reporting purposes. So Twitter has announced that from the 1st April, many accounts will actually lose this checkmark as the social media starts to wind down some of its legacy verified programs. Okay, but what do you think of the argument that we need to verify your accounts because AI could lead to hundreds of thousands of unverified accounts and therefore we need to charge you? Yeah, so that's the interesting <laughs> thing, right? Because even if they start charging, yeah. the amount might not be a very huge amount because if you see, um, people could actually just pay, individuals could actually just pay $7 a month just to actually get the check marks verified. I think it's always difficult when something was free to then levy a, char- mm. uh, a charge on something. For people to buy into that argument that now you need the resource, to check 
my account to see that it is indeed me behind my account. <laughs> yeah. And you see the New York Times sticking a stance against it, uh, saying it's just not going to do that. It certainly has a, a user base to be able to say we don't need that. We don't need your blue tick because we have enough users on our account who know that it's us already. Um, so I don't know if other companies are going to follow suit. It's April 15th, by the way, that companies have to either pay up for this subscription or lose their blue tick. So we might see more companies losing their blue tick on the way. Are you verified on Twitter? Mm, no, not, I'm not verified on Twitter, but mm-hmm. I, I still look at Twitter itself. The only thing is that, you know, I still read um, Twitter accounts even if they, are, they might not be verified. Really? Yeah, so it really depends. You know, sometimes some people just don't believe, like what you say, Michelle, some some people or organizations, they, they might not believe in the blue tick mm. and, you know, they, they might still continue to post in this case. I, I guess the question is, does it really cost 8 to $11 per month for Twitter, this company, to verify an account? Is it going to be increasingly important in a postmodern world to have these accounts uh, which put out so much information and which we've seen can really sway um, uh, opinion? Uh, is it going to be increasingly important? Does it really cost Twitter that much? Uh, or is this a revenue stream for it? Now, you might remember one of the first actions that Musk took after he bought Twitter was to open up the blue tick to paid subscribers. And that move actually backfired. Twitter was flooded by fake yet verified accounts that were impersonating celebrities, major companies, even Musk himself. Mm, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if Musk's uh, attempt at making people pay for Twitter Blue is going to be more successful this time around. Some very prominent organizations, people, we mentioned the New York Times, but there are others as well, you know, the White House, LeBron James, they've all said they're not going to be paying for Twitter Blue Tick services. Even groups like Human Rights Watch, uh, they're also refusing to pay Twitter. They say the fees are not fair for people who cannot afford them. Mm. All right, another Elon Musk news. A U.S. court has found Musk guilty of violating an American labor law. You remember back in 2018, Musk tweeted, Tesla factory workers could lose their stock options if they came together and they unionized. So U.S. regulators and now a U.S. court have ruled that Musk's tweet was an unlawful threat to discourage unionization in his company's factories. The court also ruling Tesla must rehire a worker who was fired for union activities. All right, that's your edition of the Musk Files today. It is time for corporate news. I know you're waiting for up or down, and we're going to start with something quite delicious. Let's look at McDonald's. This is very interesting. This is a down for me because the McDonald's Corporation is temporarily trying to close its U.S. offices this week as it prepares to inform corporate employees about a layoff of a broader company restructuring. And I mean, this strikes as quite surprising. I mean, this yes. is the, the one of the first food, few food giants which is actually planning to actually lay off workers because so far what we have seen across the different sectors are technology companies, automakers, which are actually looking to actually lay off some of this uh, of their headcount. But, you know, very surprisingly, McDonald's has been around for the longest time. You know, they have made an empire out of hamburgers and real estate and they have, you know, consistently produced strong revenues, cash flow and profits. But 
you know, surprisingly that they are actually trying to look to reorganize their employees' headcount. So this is something, this is a doubt for me. Yeah, and very quickly as well, this move comes as quite a surprise for for some employees of the Golden Arches. Um, it's gone as far as to say that if you have meetings planned with vendors in the office, cancel them. So Max, telling employees in the U.S. headquarters as well as some employees overseas to work from home this week as it reportedly plans to lay off workers. All right, let's look at the electric vehicle maker Xpeng. Mm. Xpeng is an up for me as it expands assisted driving tech coverage to Shanghai. This is something which Tesla doesn't offer in China. So this really comes on the back of a more competitive electric vehicle environment. I mean, Tesla was one of the pioneers for electric vehicles. But right now, as it makes its foray into the Chinese market, it starts to you know compete with some of the other major electric vehicles, like for example, Xpeng, where it's also aggressively trying to come out with their own electric vehicle designs, also coming out with their own battery designs as well, and also at the same time trying to partner with other companies in order to compete with a highly competitive electric vehicle environment. All right, let's look at what Xpeng is rolling out in terms of its software in Shanghai. It's looking at driving assistance software. The new technology reportedly assists with things like smooth braking at traffic lights, turning at intersections and other tasks in city streets. So this puts Xpeng a step ahead of Tesla in terms of its releases to the Chinese market, certainly an up for Xpeng. Let's look at the U.S. brokerage Charles Schwab. Mm. So, Charles Schwab's this year have actually seen its shares being hit by the worst month since 1987. So, this is a down for me and mm. it's really driven by what um, it calls a cash sorting rule. So, it's a, a little a bit like what um, Silicon Valley Bank is actually experiencing because Charles Schwab has, you know, traditionally invest a lot of the customer's deposits uh, because it has a bank itself into long-term high-quality assets. But right now, as interest rates, you know, stays elevated, what's, what some of these customers do instead of actually doing a bank run on Charles Swap, they're actually shifting some of their deposits away from some of the investment products of Charles Swap into other higher-yielding um, instruments like your money market funds, for mm. example. And this actually caused a, some sort of mismatch in what they own in terms of the assets and also the liabilities or the deposits which he has to actually pay his customers. So this cash sorting forces Charles Swap to be stuck um, trying to sell off some of these products at a loss because as interest rates go up, some of these long-term bonds which Charles Swap's hold the value starts to drop because it sells before it, it matures. And as a result, you know, it has to take some losses or take some hit uh, in order to meet some of the customers' demands. You know, these customers, they are trying to actually invest in other um, higher yielding products. The stock was down 33% in March and this wiped out $47 billion in value. Great synthesis there, Willie. So Charles Schwab has experienced its worst month in more than 35 years. The brokerage caught up in, if that argument sounds familiar, doesn't it sound like the banking crisis fever yeah. as well? <laughs> now, some analysts think this sell-off went too far though. So while this is a down for Charles Schwab, there may be some room now to go up for it. Let's turn to Singapore with the UOL Group. Mm. So the Wee family, uh, Mr. Wee Cho Yao, is, also, is looking to actually buy more stake in its 
one of its own subsidiary um, UOL. So UOL is a property developer and they also are a hotel operator. So if you are very familiar with the Pan Pacific Hotels Group, uh, which owns Pan Pacific, Park Royal and Collection and Park Royal, um, this is something where he's going to boost a stake in UOL. So this is an up for me. Um, as the economy recovers, you see hotel operations have improved or seen you know, a huge uh, revenue increase in the group itself of 97% to $554 million last year. So this seems like a positive news for hotel investors or people who are interested in the hospitality industry. Yeah, absolutely. So there's also been a notable director deal with UOL this past week. We Investments has bought 300,000 shares and that increases the chairman stake in his company and is an up for UOL. Let's look at OCBC. Mm. OCBC, OCBC is um, one of the other three banks where the CEO pay has actually reached $11 million, even though this is actually behind local bank chief. So this at this point, Michelle, I don't know whether I would call it, is, <laughs> is there a sideway arrow for this up or down? <laughs> That's a great one, Willie. Alright, definitely an up for Wong, but maybe a sideway arrow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, if you're an OCBC shareholder, you might be thinking, wow, this CEO is, has, you know... CEO, the CEOs of, of these three banks are being paid so highly. Will it affect the dividends which I am actually getting? But on the other hand, this is also a sign that, you know, the CEO have been running the, the banks pretty well. I mean, to see that last year's profit of these three banks have done pretty good. So yeah. it's, it's really a tough call for me. But if I am, I am an OCBC shareholder, this, this will be a down for me in this case. <laughs> Lots of OCBC shareholders chuckling out there uh, with you, perhaps. But also others saying, well, listen, it's an up for Helen Wong, the OCBC chief, group chief. But in terms of pay, she still lags the heads of other local banks. Isn't that interesting in terms of comparison? And finally, our last story reminds me of Shakespeare's line, what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name should smell as sweet. But, you know, uh, in the banking sector, there's a bank called Republic First, not to be confused with First Republic, the mid-sized <laughs> bank whose shares plummeted in March because it was caught up in that banking crisis. So First Republic shares have lost more than 90% of their value. The thing is, traders are still selling off Republic First shares as well because they sound so similar, right? One's called Republic First, the other's called First Republic. Uh, it seems a case of mistaken identity, not same company, but they're both facing routes in their share prices despite Republic First's best efforts to say, hey, we are not First Republic. So I need to ask you, Willie, have you ever bought or sold a stock by mistake because you thought it was a different company? <laughs> no, I, I mean, not for me, but I, I do know that this is actually quite common in the US because there's so many stocks out there in the US, right? You have more than 50,000 stocks and sometimes some of these names, right? You have some overlapping names and sometimes the words basically just rearranges itself and traders who are so fast with their fingers, they might actually press the wrong button and, I'm, and, and I won't be surprised if let's say the share price plunge for Republic First mm -hmm. could be really due to a mistake when the traders on the screen mistook Republic First for First Republic. Absolutely. And I wonder if those algos have their categories as well. Yeah, <laughs> or they're just looking out for Republic and First. Exactly. And Re then selling. 
where it doesn't matter whether the arrangement of the keywords because as long as you hit the keywords, they will just sell. This is why, for now at least, the human brain is still required. Syntax matters, don't you think? Exactly. <laughs> He's Willie King. You can read more of his thoughts on Dividend Titan at the blog. I'm Michelle Martin. Stay with me right here on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.